I'm Kelly Hill. I'm executive editor of RCR Wireless News, and I definitely believe that 5G will change the world and in some ways already has. I'm Sean Kinney, and welcome to Will 5G Change the World, the podcast where we engage with a wide variety of industry experts to answer that important question. Today, we're talking with my colleague, Kelly Hill, which is a lot of fun. It's uh, always nice to catch up with you, Kelly. Good to be here, Sean. Thanks for having me. So we've got this recurring segment where I ask our guests three questions from the uh, the Proust questionnaire, but um, I wanted to kind of slightly revise that and add a, a fourth question that we can get started with before we move into what uh, Mr. Proust put on the paper. So that first question, Kelly, is... Was there a time where you thought that I thought that eggs were a dairy product? <laughs> I can't think of such a time. I, I cannot definitively say that it did not exist um, because sometimes I, we talk about a lot of things, Sean, and we talk about a lot of random things. We talk about baking, we talk about uh, fantasy novels and uh, literature. And so it's entirely possible, uh, but I cannot confirm. Unfortunately, that's the wrong answer, Kelly. We were looking for yes in (laughs) Spain in the Grasshopper Ramen Bar in 2018. Where you were absolutely flabbergasted, and then I had to pull up a picture of the food pyramid circa mid 90s where eggs were classified as a dairy product. Well, I feel like that's not really on you, though. That's sort of on the food pyramid. That's what I said. (laughs) Now that we've covered that important ground into the Proust questionnaire, excuse me. So, first question, Kelly What do you most value in your friends? I most value um, critical thinking in my friends, which sounds, I I suppose, um, maybe a little bit like a a cold thing to value in in friends. But um, I I work from home. I I don't necessarily see people in person a lot. And so I tend to interact with even some of my closest friends a lot through social media. And that is tends to very quickly bring to the fore what people share, what they believe. And it's really hard for me as a journalist to uh, see a lot of false information or, um, or thinly sourced stuff being shared. And so one of the things that I really value in the people that I'm close to and that I have a lot of respect and admiration for is the ability to to sort out fact from fiction. Speaking of fiction, that's an excellent segue to question two. (laughs) Kelly, who is your favorite hero from fiction? You know, I've been thinking about this actually lately, and um, I don't have a lot of heroes. I I read a lot. I read a lot of fiction. I I read a lot of science fiction and and high fantasy. And... uh, there are very few characters that I would actually consider my own personal heroes, but I did. I, I, I do think there's one, and it's actually Dorothy Gale from the Wizard of Oz books. And I don't mean 
the Judy Garland movie or even the return from Oz, uh, Dorothy Gale. Oh, the return from Oz, Dorothy Gale, I think was actually closer to the Dorothy Gale of the books. But when I was uh, in middle school and junior high, I read, I think all of the Oz books and they get progressively stranger the deeper you go into that series. And Dorothy is uh, always practical. Um, and especially these days, it's it's sort of interesting and comforting to see a character who takes any situation thrown at her as if it's uh, not particularly odd, even if it very even if it very much is, and uh, protects the weak and. Um, it takes a lot to throw her. She hardly ever gets thrown. And, and that's, uh, I appreciate that uh, navigating the situation that we all find ourselves in. That was a really interesting answer. We didn't rehearse any of this, so I don't have anything <laughs> loaded up to, to respond, but um, yeah, really it makes me think a lot about L. Frank Baum. I've read a lot of those books and uh, he, he wrote, Gosh, at least a dozen of those pretty quickly in the between like I don't know nineteen hundred nineteen twenty ish and uh, yes, and, and some of them are are strung together very very thinly. Yeah, it's just I, what's making me think is that of all the kind of classic children's literature, you think of you know C.S. Lewis and, and names like this, but L. Frank Baum doesn't really get the credit for the the book, just the movie. That's uh, it's kind of strange, but yeah, there there are some weird ones in there. Uh, rinky tink and oz uh the patchwork girl the patchwork girl yeah the, yeah the back catalog's worth some exploration third question kelly what do you consider the most overrated virtue so I, i've been thinking about this and uh, as someone who was raised in the midwest uh in in the 80s and uh and and is a woman um I think it's sort of this idea of uh, of playing nice, of of ignoring the the uh, unpleasant things that uh, are around you or, or uh, in the people around you. Um, it's uh, I, I can't say that I don't do it. Um, you know, in in some ways, it's it, it, there is value in giving people the benefit of the doubt. Um, but I think there's a there's a strain of that concept that goes too far in in ignoring the unpleasant things or or maybe wishing the unpleasant things away, and uh, I think that doesn't really end up doing anybody any good. All right. Well, now that we've uh, gotten to know you a little bit better, Kelly, let's talk about your response to the question, will 5G change the world? Um, you said that in some ways it already has. Uh, can you give us an example? What are you thinking about there? Yeah. So <clears throat> one of the things that I've been covering for a long time for RCR is the test and measurement space. And the folks in that particular space of this industry are always on the cutting edge. They've been thinking about 5G and researching 5G and trying to figure out how they were going to help people make 5G work for years now, for years and years. You know, uh, this has meant a complete overhaul uh, of their equipment, of, of testing approaches, 
when um, when you have uh, the very traditional approach of you know being able to to base to more or less plug everything in plug in devices to test them um, and, and now you have to move to radiated testing and so you know for for this particular segment of the industry that I cover, I feel like five g has already changed so much about uh, how they do their work and how they help the rest of the industry produce the the five g products um, you know design and uh, and test them and and ultimately bring them to market and you know these are the folks that uh, that the rest of the industry depends on to make 5G work, and it, and it is working, um, and it is being rolled out. And in order for that to have happened, uh, the folks on the testing and measurement end have already had to change so much about what they do. And so, uh, so yeah, I do think that for some spaces uh, in the wireless industry, in particular, you know, 5G already has made substantial changes. Uh, and and they're already thinking about 6G uh, and going up into the terahertz frequencies. And so um, 6G may not be standardized for a very, very long time, uh, but there are already folks out there who are thinking about it and not just thinking about it, who are, who are doing the work that will lay the groundwork for it to ultimately happen. And Kelly, one of the reasons I started this show is I wanted to create a kind of a format where people with different perspectives on the same industry and on the same issue could give me an understanding of of what it looks like from their point of view mm -hmm. so from the point of view of a journalist and I, i've i've tried to to interview a few of them for the show because i i think it, it's worthwhile to to have that conversation with your your peers when you look at pitches from companies that are around 5G, how do you balance the, the need to take a somewhat cynical approach to separating marketing hype from technical reality with the fact that there, there is some grain of truth to the transformative power of all this technology, but maybe not today, maybe not in a vacuum, but projected forward at very large scale. How do you approach that? <laughs> so I've been in this industry for a, a long time. Um, you know, I saw 2.5G give way to 3G, give way to sort of 3.5G, give way to LTE. And now we have 5G coming online. And, you know, I've covered things like the, the rise and fall of all the high-end NVNOs that were going to change the world and that we're going to, you know, everybody was going to leave their carrier and, and, and come to these new market entrants that were going to do everything better. Um, you know, so I, I feel like I've seen sort of the rise and fall of a, a number of different technologies, a lot of different companies, a lot of different strategies. And, you know, there are some things uh, I, I think that endure even if they change form, um, AT&T for instance. Uh, and, uh, and, and I think that perspective over time has, you know, has given me um, sort of a sense of what is possible, but also what is probable. Uh, and so I, I do look at it through that 
I, I try not to to be jaded enough to say, you know, oh, you know, you're connected, whatever it is, you know, is never going to make it. You know, that's not really my call to make. Um, if it's interesting, you know, I, 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 I try to give things the you know, the, the chance that they deserve because sometimes something does come out of nowhere, like the iPhone and it does change everything. And so, you know, um, when I look at a pitch, um, you know, I think about, you know, does it have broad appeal? Who is it's, who's, who's it marketing itself to? Who's it targeted at? You know, do they already have what they need? You know, does this really differentiate itself enough to, to be a breakthrough, um, you know, but in some ways I have, I have to wait along with everybody else to see what really ends up being adopted. And so, uh, you know, so that's, I try to give things the benefit of the doubt and yet um, I, there are some things I have some internal skepticism about, uh, and, uh, you know, and I think that probably shapes, uh, you know, what I feel is realistic in, in the industry and, and what isn't. Yeah, I think that was very well said, uh, you know, particularly the finding the right balance between what's possible and what's probable. So to maybe uh, sloppily continue that, I'm going to try to keep the theme of probable versus possible going and incorporate three topical news items here all at one time. So we've got the Sprint and T-Mobile merger that was approved yesterday, not to timestamp it, but we're recording on April 2nd. A big part of their strategy is to expand 5G uh, across the entire country, make it available, rural areas, etc. We saw a bunch of announcements out of the FCC yesterday uh, that all kind of fit under the umbrella of addressing the digital divide and extending investment into more rural broadband. And then we've all got this punctuated kind of by the fact that a lot of people are working from home and going to school from home due to the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic, which is really bringing into sharp focus the need for pervasive broadband. So mm -hmm. I guess the question would be, what do you think? I mean, in terms of possible versus probable, I mean, 5G could certainly fix this issue, but is it probable that it will? What do you think? <laughs> so uh, going back to, I, I mentioned that I grew up in the Midwest. I, I grew up in extremely rural Ohio. I grew up in a town of about 6,000 people in Northwest Ohio, about an hour from Toledo. Uh, so I grew up in, in rural America. Um, they still have terrible broadband service in, <laughs> in my town. Um, one of my relatives was posting on Facebook the other day, uh, about noticing the difference now that the school kids had started uh, distance learning and suddenly he couldn't host his, his online uh, Zoom sessions for his, uh, for his college students who were in Erie, Pennsylvania. And uh, you know, this is a problem. It will continue to be a problem. Um, and um, you know, it's, once you get off the highways in a lot of places, the cell phone coverage is still not great. It's better than it used to be. Um, and uh, the question of, you know, will 5G solve that? You know, I think one of the things we tend to do in this industry is we tend to say that the next generation 
of technology is going to solve all of the problems. Like, you know, LTE was, was going to uh, do a lot of the things that, that people uh, say now that 5G will do. You know, it was going to connect a lot of things. It was going to provide really, really fast uh, mobile browsing speeds. And it, and it does now that we're in LTE Advanced Pro. Um, you know, but sometimes I think we, we, we as an industry kick the can um, because when the standards ultimately come out, uh, you know, not everything ends up working out to, to solve all the problems that, that we want them to solve. And rural broadband isn't, isn't a standards issue, um, but when I think about rural broadband and 5G, it's incredibly ambitious what the new T-Mobile has laid out. And, and I have to say that I'm going to be really interested to see if they can actually deliver. Um, you know, part of the problem in rural America isn't just that, you know, that there's no wireless coverage, you know, there's not a ton of fiber that's conveniently located in order to backhaul all of the, uh, you know, even if you can get a cell tower up. And so, you know, can we do it? Could we do it? Um, you know, the FCC is putting a lot of money into doing it. You know, there's a lot of efforts across the federal government, the Department of Agriculture, you know, is doing th things as well. And, and I would say it is expanding. Um, I'm actually going to be doing a report a couple of months looking at exactly what the progress is. Um, but I have to say that I'm taking a very wait and see. Uh, there's there's been a lot of talk of connecting the unconnected and and dealing with this digital divide for a long time now, but it takes a long time to physically go out and build the infrastructure in order to do it, and it's very expensive. If it wasn't, then carriers would have already done it. Um, can the government give it enough of a boost so that it actually happened? And 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 can T-Mobile? live up to the the promises that it's making you know is 600 really going to be 600 megahertz spectrum is that really going to be what what ultimately enables it and and at speeds of you know 50 megabits per, per second um at least you know somewhere between 50 and 100. i wish i knew for sure uh, it would be nice to say confidently yes yes this is it finally everybody will get fast broadband. Uh, but I think the answer is a qualified yes. I think the closer you are to a city, the, the more likely it is that you will get it and get it faster, uh, which is not a huge change. Um, and I guess how far it actually penetrates into rural America is, is really going to be, is really the unanswered question. Kelly, one last question. Uh... You and I have both baked bread. We've both made masks. I've uh, started to germinate seeds in my house. What quarantine project are you working on at the moment? Well, I'm actually doing the seeds as well. Although uh, when I did venture out to the grocery store the last time, I also bought a full grown basil plant because mine are going to take too long to before I can use them. Um, gosh, what else am I doing? Uh I'm training the dog to try to do increasingly ridiculous, unnecessary things. Oh, 
Oh, that's fun. Yeah. Um, you know, I'm, I'm trying to keep up with uh, my gym workouts and I have some like an actual sort of almost workout area set up in my garage and I take my laptop out and log into a Zoom session with a trainer <laughs> and then I work out. And so that has been a major switch. Um, the masks are, are taking up a, a lot of time. Um, I have a sister who's a nurse and, uh, and, and quite a few relatives who, you know, could really use those. And so that's sort of what I'm working on in the evenings. Uh, and I'll end making projects. Um, you know, I think, uh, we, I, I watch a lot of the great British baking show with my family. And so we like to do the technical challenges to see how we can get things to come out. And I've been told uh, by my 12-year-old that the next one we're going to make is domed tartlets with a mirror glaze. And you can look for updates uh, on that project on Kelly's Twitter. But in the meantime, it's been wonderful speaking with you. And thank Thanks you for- so much for taking the time to share your perspective and answer the question, will 5G change the world? Thanks, Sean. Advertising inquiries, contact Danny Miller at dmiller at ardenmedia.com. The show today was produced and edited by me, Sean Kenny. Thanks for listening.